0: All right uh so last time we looked at the i think i would say a tragic uh, uh incident in moses's life where he didn't um obey god um the way that god wanted him himself to be obey obeyed and um kind of maybe a mis- self misunderstanding of moses and anger um maybe some presumption on his part that uh That failure caused him to uh, disqualify, if you will, himself from entering the promised land. So um, in the aftermath of that, the Israelites in chapter 21 uh, start inching their way kind of uh, towards um, the uh, kind of the new um, situation, uh, a second opportunity to... uh, Enter into Canaan. Right? So, uh, timing wise, I think most scholars think it's like the 38th ish year of the wandering, maybe 39 by Korean age. Uh, and so, um, it's interesting, uh, maybe you guys can, as we read it, comment on or uh, observe some stuff about, see if there's a a change in tone or kind of content. And if not, uh, you can say that as well, but we're gonna do something slightly different today in terms of reading it. I'd like us to um, read verses one through nine uh, first. Um, And we're gonna focus on the bronze snake. This is the bronze snake story. And then, We'll get to the uh, uh, we're, gonna, we're not going to read 10 to 20 and then we'll go to 21 to 35 and, 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 and look at kind of a different angle so um, If Sam could pop up verses one through nine. Someone can read that uh, for us out loud. We can look at it together.
1: When the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that that Israel was coming along the road to Atharim, he attacked the Israelites and captured some of them. Mm -hmm. Then Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. The Lord listened to Israel's plea and gave the Canaanites over to them. They completely destroyed them and their towns, so the place was named Hormah. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. He spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. And the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take, away the, take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a the pole. And then, then when anyone was bitten by a snake and they looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Thank you. Okay, so um, verses 1
0: through f- 3, um, I'd like to you, you to just keep kind of put that in, in your back pocket for now. And we'll talk about it with 21, verse 21 to 35 later. So focusing on verses 4 through 9, like I said, this is the um, bronze snake or or copper snake uh, incident um, where the Israelites uh, uh, are given this uh, rather strange remedy, uh, antidote for uh, the punishment that God sends them in response to their rebellion um looking at verse uh four um it kind of provides a context uh, that is worth mentioning i think says they traveled from mount Hor. uh probably this is i think where aaron died um and um after the grieving uh back in chapter 20 at the end of chapter 20 it says that they had to go around Edom, right? They had to kind of follow the, the Red Sea route closer to, uh, closer to there. And um, you know, Edom was uh, the country that descended from Esau, right? Uh, Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, who, uh, you know, they mutually tormented each other, I think. Uh, but, um, you know, God, through Isaac, promises that Esau as well would, would, would have descendants. He would have uh, a peoples from him. And uh, they turned out to be the Edomites or the nation of Edom. And even though they shared a common ancestor in, in Isaac, uh, when Moses and the Israelites try to pass through uh, their land, uh, Edom refuses. Edom Um, uh, does not allow safe passage, even though Moses promises that they will um, not um, damage or uh, take anything without paying for it. They just want to go safely through, but uh, for their own reasons, uh, Edom does not allow this to take place, and Uh, Again, for God's reasons, they do not engage them in battle. Uh, They have to kind of circumvent, go around uh, that uh, region. And perhaps that's why they uh, uh, grow impatient. Perhaps that's why they uh, grumble uh, in this way. Uh, But uh, kind of, it's a familiar refrain, right? Uh, They speak against God and against Moses, and um, they accuse them uh, falsely of dragging the people out of Egypt to just to kill them uh, in the desert, right? We've kind of, I think, analyzed to death some of these complaints um, and, you know, uh, motivations and impetuses and uh, maybe even kind of how they're the Israelites are kind of wired even um, to try to explain or understand why they're so prone to this kind of grumbling. But, um, you know, it's a similar con- complaints about the lack of bread, the lack of water and um, the hateful food, right? Uh, probably it's the manna that they're referring to because they've eaten it for so long. And at first they were intrigued. Uh, you know, it was a miraculous provision uh, from God, uh, but um, having it over and over and over again, I think uh, that lack of variety leads them to call it uh, miserable. Right? I think I read somewhere that the. Um, meaning of miserable is kind of worthless, uh, that it was really bad kind of, it was not a charitable description at all. Uh, And so this was um, a a huge slight against what God was uh, trying to do. Um, Hence, you know, God sends a, a, I guess a brood of vipers, right? like snakes on a plane gone crazy I mean, venomous snakes and uh this leads to uh judgment this leads to uh, punishment uh so i want us to focus less on the complaint or, or or what um this it resulted uh in but the this remedy this uh the people repent uh at least ostensibly and um when Moses prays, uh, God gives him this instruction to make a snake and elevate it on a pole. Um, so, what you see there in verse eight. So, um, I'd like Sam, I think the question is pretty simple uh, question one, uh, but it, I want us to kind of think and talk about. Um, Why do you think God had Moses fashion a bronze snake on a pole as the antidote to the deadly snake poison? Again, you can offer a a thought via chat, the chat box or verbally. Okay, we'll get a couple of responses. I think the first one came from Sam. Uh, I can't quite tell, I'm on the iPad today. To make them think about what God had saved them from. Good, so uh, by um, making them focus on the snake, um, it uh, got them to remember that it was the snakes that had uh, created the, the situ, uh, not created a situation, but uh, gave them the, the death sentence, if you will. Okay, uh, Alice requires an act of faith. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I, I'd like to go back to Alice's because I think um, uh, it, it is in, kind of intertwined with faith. Um, yeah, I think uh, this uh, snake or kind of the, the medical profession. So I, I actually had looked, looked it up because I was a little confused on exactly like what's what. Uh, and so, you know, you have, um, you know, if you look it up on like Wikipedia and stuff, uh, they talk about what the, uh, the rod of a scalpius. Right. He was a son of Apollo or um, you have the catechus, which is a symbol of Hermes, actually. And I think the catechus is what's um, used by medical societies, So um, some people connect the stories, uh, but I'm not sure if there's like you know, clear evidence that, that they're connected. But yeah, um, Diana offers to make them look heavenward to God. Okay, snake up on a pole rather than their wounds. Okay, I really like that, that this forced them to kind of look up um, in in the direction of God. Like I remember, um, you know, long ago thinking about the physical um, situation at the Red Sea. I think that they were walled in by like mountains on each side. They had the huge uh, body of water before them, and the Egyptian army and their chariots, you know, pursuing them. And so I remember a commentary saying the only direction they could look up, look to, was up, right, up to God. So I, li- I like that kind of directional explanation. Any other uh, contributions or input?
2: I think I've always also just been like really fascinated by the connection with like John chapter three and like Jesus refers to uh, this uh, episode right like just like Moses lifted up the bronze snake and the the son of man will be lifted up so I don't know It, it it's just as puzzling as illuminating I feel like But uh, I just always thought it was a really interesting connection. And I wonder why Jesus
0: did that. So are you saying that the reason that God offered this remedy was so that Jesus could tell Nicodemus? (laughs) Uh, Quote this uh, uh, thousands of years later.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, if I had to try to interpret it, maybe that the story somehow helps to illuminate what Jesus did. Dying on the cross, uh, some somehow like I don't know, shed some understanding or about what it meant that
0: Jesus died on
2: the cross. So.
0: Okay, let's explore that a little bit. I'd like to use you, Peter, uh, to pick your uh, your good biblical knowledge on, on this. So, in what sense would Jesus on the cross, besides kind of the, again the, the directional component or or? Um, you know, the, the, the physicality of Jesus's uh, you know, the vantage point being you have to look up to him uh, you know, nailed to a cross um, there's that but in what sense would Jesus on the cross analogize with a snake on a pole besides yeah. faith <laughs> let, faith out. that's Alice's uh, that's Alice's uh, area of expertise that's where her PhD is
2: yeah, I don't know. I mean, it like, it's not what I would choose. Like, I find the the choice of a snake to be a very odd, like, why that animal? You know, clearly, snake has, like, significance from, like, Genesis, uh, and, and, and also, um, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think that, like, the... Um, I guess when I like reflected on it that it's uh, if we had to analogize right, like our situation um, is like the Israelites in the sense that our sin is kind of like a uh, deadly sort of um, problem, right? And um, in order to be saved from that, we need to like look at look to the cross and I have to I can't say that without like bringing in faith somehow through the back door right but I think that like um, that there's something about that the healing that comes from like looking to Jesus on the cross is like somehow uh, I don't know this story sort of brings I guess makes me want to try to connect it in that way or I don't know if it's like the snake and its connection with like the serpent and jesus taking on the sin i don't know then then i get like weird things that i think is not really worth like repeating so but like is it like uh whatever jesus became sin so that uh whatever yeah anyway that kind of stuff
0: yeah i i think uh you know you can imagine there's been various uh theories offered and there is some genesis 3 uh references or people try to make that argument uh, and all i think what um um, uh, what Sam uh, put in the chat box there might be some uh, I think you know I, I read one place where uh, so the snake was the um, the means of, of death right it was the penalty it was the cause right of of their death. And so to put the uh, cause of death, right, as the, um, in some way connected to the means of salvation, right, um, that that is the analogy we can find or may find or may see in the cross. So the cross is what Uh, It's um, a picture of our the consequences of our sin. So the cross is the uh, capital punishment; it's the execution we all deserve. The wages of sin is death. So the cross represents, uh, like, it's like the snake, right? Um, And Jesus on the cross, right, represents uh, our our salvation, but um, Jesus on the cross uh, and, and you know, I didn't get I think enough, I, I didn't get a lot of, of research on this uh, supportive research but I thought it was interesting, uh, somebody made the point or tried to make the point that when Jesus was on the cross he was um, he was judged right, for our sins. So as the representative son of man he took our sins upon him, and he kind of extinguished, he kind of put to death, he uh, he he destroyed the penalty of of, of our sin. So that's what Jesus on the cross, this this suggestion is represents. And then the snake, right? Um, and this is where you know, I, I, I of course, if I had time or more knowledge i would want to follow through with or read up more on is that um the reason that you know i I just know i just i noticed this week that moses uh god didn't tell him to make a bronze snake god just told him to make a snake right so i don't know if there was some kind of uh, you know inference or, or what but moses chooses to do that and when you you know make something out of metal right you have to you have to fire it. You have to burn it you have to, you know, um, introduce the element of fire. And so this uh, suggestion was that um, the bronze serpent is kind of the judged <laughs> version, the fired, the burnt up version of the venomous snake. And therefore, just as Jesus on the cross represents sin overcome, sin defeated at least in the eternal sense uh for the israelites um a uh, whatever a killed or a judged (laughs) a fired snake kind of gives us the same kind of understanding if we incorporate what sam uh, put down. so i think that's interesting i don't know if that's the exact reason right but um to the extent that uh, we understand um, that, uh, yeah, forgiveness comes from God, right, um, and that it comes by. Uh, it it comes only when his wrath or his holiness or um, when uh, when that's satisfied or justified. I, I think there's some overlap there. So uh, I don't know if any of you want to kind of ask questions on that or, or kind of think, you know, process that a little bit more. Um, again, I'm not saying that that is the slam dunk reason, but I think it. It's helpful to think about that way. We still have to go back to faith, but um, before we go back to faith, is there any anything else that people would want to comment? All right. Alice, thank you for the, uh, I think your, your uh, answer. Um, so it requires an act of faith. Um, I, If you can, can you, like, elaborate on that?
3: Um, So I was thinking that um, they could have, God could have just made all the snakes disappear, but it seemed like he wanted, I don't know, this is my interpretation, but it seemed like he wanted the Israelites to kind of... um, like take a step of kind of an action towards um, being healed. So I think he wanted them to kind of like meet him at a certain point, like not just for God to just heal them right away with like, not like no thought, but I think it seems like he wanted it to be kind of a collaborative healing, if that makes sense. That's how okay. I interpreted that.
0: I'm not sure if it's collaborative um, because, yeah. you know, all they mm-hmm. did was you know, the healing came from God fully, mm-hmm. right? but, but there was a faith component. There was a, I don't know, uh, depending on your, your view of, of election and <laughs> predestination, but dual agency as opposed to, you know, um, you know, mono, mo- what they call mono synergism. Uh-huh. So um What was, what was the, um, in your mind, Alice, what was the, uh, what was God asking the people to do? Why was it an act of faith?
3: I mean, it was an act of faith in terms of that is not how you get healed from a snake bite. But And and I'm assuming maybe they were, well, they were venomous. So if you got bitten, I'm assuming you would die um, for sure. The people did die. Yeah. So why was it an act of faith? Um, I guess it's like believing that this out of the ordinary situation will heal you. And there was, although, I mean, I I, I don't know, because I feel like there were so many situations that God had provided before, um, just in providing all sorts of out of the normal scenarios to like feed them, to like protect them. So um, I don't know, maybe it wasn't, I mean, I think it was still an act of faith, but maybe it was something that they could understand because they had kind of received so many of God's blessings before. So maybe it wasn't really that out of the ordinary. I don't know. I would
0: argue the opposite. That this was something they couldn't understand, right? So if God's gonna do something like rain down, you know, bread from heaven or part the Red Sea, or, you know, you know, um, what is it? Isildur, the, the people with the sword or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing, a show of force or power, then I think, you know, um, at least a rational person would go, okay, you know, God, it's it's a supernatural, God's doing a mighty work, but okay, he's doing it. But to offer salvation or deliverance or healing by sticking a, a, a copper, as Young pointed out, although he kind of made it a little bit to uh, kind of an earthly explanation, <laughs> resource explanation. Anyway, to, to, for Moses to stick that guy on a pole and say, here it is. If you look at this and concentrate on it, then you'll be healed. I feel like I'd sit there and go, shut up. No, thank you. Like, give me something that, you know, let me go find the the special plant, or, you know, maybe, you know, somebody I'll suck the poison out of someone's, if there's some sort of like a a, a kind of a nexus, some sort of like causal connection, I think I would understand that and appreciate that. I would believe it more, but it's like, you know, here it is, you know, uh, and, and, for for someone that let's say is you know um, kind of thinking in certain ways to kind of actually have the uh, the sense of like complete trust that's needed to gaze upon this and to expect something from it, uh, even if you know there's like you said out of the ordinary ways like you know non earthly ways that things are happening, to me I, I would be a little bit kind of like. I would shake my head. <laughs> I'd be skeptical. I'd be I'd refuse, actually. So I, I remember uh, I heard a sermon and the pastor that oh, the speaker was a, a, I think, a youth leader at the time, and he was really funny. He was just a, a kind of a clown. So he comes up, he, he picked this text and he goes, you know for you for an Israelite to to look on the on the on the on the bronze serpent, snake or serpent, you know, with faith is similar to me um, pulling out this sock puppet and he pulls out a sock puppet of some sort of like, you know, kids, yeah, yeah, young kids and saying that if you look upon this, you know, I, Don, will buy you a Big Mac, right? That there is power in looking at this. and like, it was, I just thought out to be really hilarious. And, and, and it really kind of captured the, I think the, in my mind, the ludicrousness of the remedy, right? I don't know. Maybe there's some deep power that I'm missing, but to me, uh, This actually played in God's favor because it represented, uh, you know, believing against your own belief structure. It represented faith that didn't, let's say, jibe with rationality or, you know, um, kind of what your knowledge of science is or how the world works uh, and stuff right? Now, God does, you know, allow us to, you know, have faith or use faith, you know, like the medical professionals, right? You know, so we pray that God can really, you know, use medicine or, or that kind of thing to, you know, heal our loved ones, uh, you know, and you know, we have a, f- a few situations like, you know, Pam's, Pam's father and, 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 and Sam's grandmother that were really you know, really asking God to, to work with the doctors uh, and, and all that. And, you know, there are, are means and um, uh, vehicles and mechanisms that God can deploy that, you know, that definitely is still, to me, an act of faith. It is, a, it is a, uh, a work of faith. It's an experience of faith. It's an exercise of faith. All that works. But sometimes I think God tests or stretches our faith. By saying, okay, this has nothing that would make sense to you. It really is just a pure, do you trust my word? Even against your better judgment. Even against your whole experiential ken, right? Your study, your conversations, common sense. Do you really believe that what God says, God told Moses, Moses... you should have to believe that God, Moses hears God. Moses is faithful. But if those are in place, then something so um, crazy like this uh, will um, be effective, right? Be effective. Uh, David, uh, someone else. Let me see. Yes, thank you, Young. And then, D- yeah, dipping in the Jordan, I think that that's an interesting one too, because you know, Naaman refuses to do that because, you know, he thinks everything is is better in in, in, in his own uh, country, this Syria, right? Um, but I, I think that the kind of the dipping or the cleansing though, or, you know, uh, I think he kind of, um, it was understandable, uh, I, I, if I recall that, you know, he was expecting Eli- Elisha, Elisha to come out and, you know, wave his hand or say some sort of incantation uh, and stuff. And, and, and you know, even though he didn't do that, he just told him to go, you know, dip in the Jordan River. Um, it, it still was something kind of, I don't know, physical, something cleansing, something, you know, something to do with, you know, um, like washing the skin and stuff. So I think, it, it, I think I know what you're saying, though, because it really wasn't the dipping. It was really the faith that was necessary to do that. But to me, the, the bronze snake is so kind of strange. It's kind of, you know, almost alien to me that God would do that. But sometimes, right, uh, I think the, the faith the challenge is indeed that do we trust God, you know, purely at his word, right? And I think some of the biblical promises you know, are, are that far out. That otherworldly, that hard to understand. And, and, and I think, okay, and, and I have these in my notes, but even with notes, I, I need to kind of process this. I want to say that um, the cross is like that as well. Sure, the symbolism of the cross, right, as we've mentioned, I think, you know, that's powerful, right? Because it, 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 there is a ne- causal nexus between. You know, die, you know, sin and, and its, you know, consequences and its um, you know, salvation, right? Jesus paying the penalty. All that I can follow, right? In, in terms of like a developing explanation. But the fact that Jesus's death on the cross 2000 years ago is effective for someone like me right? And and anyone, right? Anyone, any sinner who, you know, have, has no biological connection, no cultural connection, uh, no personal connection, you know, um, like, I don't know Jesus personally, you know, in in the human kind of relational sense, right? That, as it says in Romans, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, then I will be saved. I feel like you know that 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 kind of defies <laughs> that defies kind of the the kind of you know whatever, causational or kind of you know uh, logical connections that at least some of us maybe maybe just me kind of I, I think that helps me to kind of accept explanations or or kind of approach life that uh, what God is you know, promising that what Jesus did for me in that act, although it has, although he's the son of God and, you know, it, it's God's plan, that somehow that is sufficient. That's not that's good enough. Somehow that's efficacious for me. Um, I think that's a, a, it's a, it could be, it has to, it, it, it at times it has been a, a, a hard challenge, right? Maybe it's different for others, but but why don't you, let's interact on this. Is this just in my own head or do you guys think there's something that's um, a lesson that's being uh, learned here? Okay, well, either it doesn't short-circuit your brain or it's short-circuited your brain. Um, but uh, I, I think I want to, I don't want to end with that. I want to end with the, the key point, <laughs> right, is that this comes from God, right, that, you know, uh, how we exercise faith or what the symbolism of faith is and, and the remedy, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, it could be, uh, you know, easy to understand, hard to understand, uh, we could get it wrong and that kind of stuff but the the key is that we trust god and that's what the israelites i think needed to learn again and again and again and again right the fact that they grumble, the fact that they you know accused god and moses the fact that all this kind of stuff you know it led them to you know what what is why do why do we why are we kind of uh, on the road to hell why are we destined for destruction it's unbelief it's disbelief it's lack of trust in God right? whether we, know, knowingly or unknowingly you know, we we've all experienced this kind of I know better than God right he can't I, I'm gonna run my own life because you know um, I'm looking out for myself um, I, I can make my own decisions and so it's that fundamental distrust. It's the prodigal son telling his father, "Enough of your authority. I'm going to go do my own thing." It's Adam saying, Adam and Eve saying, "Like, you know, we, we want the knowledge of good and evil. And why are you withholding it? You know, we want to be like you, right?" And so it's this kind of, you know, it's it's our it's our kids and our and and our, and our, our you know when when we're, when we're and ourselves when we um, don't listen to what our parents say because we think they don't know what they're talking about or we don't want to listen to them or we think we know better it's just constant self assertion it's to this independence it's knowing better for yourself than than even god that gets us in the predicament in the first place so um the fact that it you know, faith really boils down to: Do you trust? Is God trustworthy? Right? And unlike us, unlike me, unlike you know uh, yourself, you know, the 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 message of the Bible, the the point of the Bible is that yes, God is you know extremely trustable, and that He is, you know, our life depends upon it, our relationship depends upon it, our salvation depends upon it. Okay, we can circle back later if you want, but can Sam pop up the rest of the verses and keep in mind uh, that I want to cover, keep in mind uh, the first uh, few uh, sections as well, the first story. But if someone can read 21 to 35 for us, that would help.
4: Israel sent messengers to say to Sihon king of the Amorites, let us pass through your country. We will not turn aside into any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. We will travel along the king's highway until we have passed through your territory. But Sihon would not let Israel pass through his territory. He mustered his entire army and marched out into the desert against Israel. When he reached Jehaz, he fought with Israel. Israel, however, put him to the sword and took over his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok, but only as far as the Ammonites, because their border was fortified. Israel captured all the city of the Amorites and occupied them, including Heshbon and all its surrounding settlements. Heshbon was the city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had taken from him all his land as far as the Arnon. That is why the poets say, Come to Heshbon and let it be rebuilt. Let Sihon's city be restored. Fire went out from Heshbon, a blaze from the city of Sihon. It consumed Ar of Moab, the citizens of Arnon's Heights. Woe to you, O Moab. You are destroyed, O people of Chemosh. He has given up his sons as fugitives and his daughters as captives to Sihon, king of the Amorites. But we have overthrown them. Heshbon is destroyed all the way to Deban. We have demolished them as far as Nopha, which extends to Medeba. So Israel settled in the land of the Amorites. After Moses had sent spies to Jazir, the Israelites captured its surrounding settlements and drove out the Amorites who were there. Then they turned and went up along the road toward Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, and his whole army, marched out to meet them at the battle of Edrei. The Lord said to Moses, do not be afraid of him, for I have handed him over to you with his whole army and his land. Do to him what you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites who reigned in Heshbon. So they struck him down together with his sons and his whole army, leaving them no survivors, and they took possession of his
0: land. Thank you. Sam, if you could pop up the question two. This is a simple Question for us: uh, What do you think was the difference, if any, between the battles in this chapter, with three battles, and, uh, for example, the fearful disobedience of the Israelites back in chapters 13 and 14? Right there, we don't have any evidence that their military capacity changed. They didn't get special, you know, forces training. They, did, you know, the, uh, the army didn't necessarily grow uh, more, but. Uh, It seems to me uh, I I want us to explore whether there's a difference between what changed uh, between chapter 21 and chapter 14.
5: Well, I think qualitatively, these are different, right? This is actually, you know, if you want to use the word reactive or defense rather than, you know, offense, right? In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, God told them to go up and attack the land, right? In here, it's actually these kings who, are, who came and tried to attack the Israelites. And so probably this is the first time that they are, engaging in battle in this sense right if i'm correct and so basically maybe god is building them up to show them that militarily that you know they are able to stand up and fight and um, and he will give them the victory so you know as opposed to 13 and 14 where god just says go up and there's no military experience no nothing it's just you know and people change their minds and actually, I yeah. guess they lost, right? They lost that time. They, they disobeyed and they went up and they lost.
0: Yeah, there there are some battles, um, you know, uh, scattered here and there. So it's not like they're super green. But, yeah, I think that's an interesting distinction that as opposed to offensive, they are responding uh, to what they did. Although, um, I think, at least in this chapter, that, that's 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 good. Other questions? Uh, Observations. Feels like the attitude is different. I think of, that early on in chapter 13, 14, feels Like, probably people will feel like hey, we can just, uh, you know, either do a battle or not do a battle, you know, and the whole thing will end. But I think after many years, they realized, you know, what now they have kind of a proper long term thinking is that you know, we're already being wandering around for a while, and then if there's a battle, we're ready to do it. If, uh, you know, rather than have the, that kind of attitude, that you know, we'll just try once and see whether it works or not you know momentary momentary type of uh, mentality okay so yeah maybe their uh, their perspectives uh, have changed uh, they, we can, can that can cover touch a lot of place points right points of contact like do they trust God more do they see themselves as more I don't know mature have they learned the lessons of 30 years of wandering um you know uh, maybe you know again the um the individual battles as opposed to like a whole campaign of, of war so I think right. yeah I think that this those could be said Anyone else? I I found um, the first few verses. So, Verse uh, 2, interesting that there's an actual kind of um, exchange with God about um, experiencing his uh, hand of power and and, and deliverance, um, a, a vow of how should we say it, a vow of totality, a vow of even purity, right? They say here that, you know, if Lord, you give us victory, um, they would destroy the city, right? Uh, and, um, you know, this destruction kind of promise uh, can be looked at a, a few ways. Some of the I guess, what they find, the the paraphernalia, the people uh, are of such, like, they're so evil or uh, um, antithetical to God that he he commands, you know, destroy everything, right? Uh, But it's also kind of, um, I think the more interesting way is a certain sense of This is all God, you know, none of this belongs to us. This is not normal warfare. We're not just doing this because we're strong and powerful and we don't like the way those guys look or how they treat us. It's not the human geopolitical, you know, the endless conflict, right? Uh, That that humanity has been waging against each other. This is uh, a purposeful, they are the army and the agents of god and they're not in it for the plunder they're not in it for the prowess and they're in it for the glory of god so if i could take what hanfei said and and maybe we start seeing this kind of uh kind of self-understanding what we're supposed to do what uh, what the whole thing is about, right? Yes, God wants to take us out of Egypt and put us into a great land, but we are—we need to serve him. We need to obey him. We need to be used of him. We have to be his instruments. The, this kind of renewed uh, perspective, I think, is starting to kind of bubble up. Is how I would uh, like to think of it. Uh, anybody recall or connect, can you connect anything in the first uh, three verses from the past of chapter 21 with an incident in the past? So the Location Horma Horma is actually what I think Dave was mentioning when after they rebelled in chapters 13 and 14, and God said, Forget it, you know, I'm giving up on you guys. They say, We're sorry, we're sorry, we're just kidding. And they said, We're gonna go and attack. And God and Moses says, Don't go, it's too late, right? Just you know, cut your losses. But they go in anyway, they go on, they go anyway and they get you know, roundly humiliated and defeated. That was Horma. So in a sense, this is kind of a a little bit of deja vu in terms of location. So this is why I think common scholars will say they're kind of now heading back towards uh, Canaan. They're on the, they're going towards the the, the, the doorstep, the entrance, um, because, uh, uh, you know, a lot of time has transpired. Maybe some of the, the old malcontents have died off and now um, a new spirit, a new mindset, again, using Hanfei's words, attitude is, is starting to develop. And um, even though they are, are lose in the beginning here, they lose some people, um, their response is very different, the opposite to what chapters 13 and 14. Right. You would expect that, if, you know, if you got attacked by, let's say, let's say what looks like a superior army, you know, this is the time that they complain. They say, ah, you know, we, we're dying and it's your fault, God. And let you know let us cower back into back to Egypt or Sinai or something like that. But no, they, they have a sense now of what God wants them to do. Right. And they won't back down. They won't be defeated. They won't give up. They will, you know. Uh, recover their people they'll even make a vow they promise they, they understand this is a spiritual uh, ac- action this is spiritual stakes uh, as well as
1: you know um
0: you know uh, as well it's about land and it's about you know power and it's about food right uh, they're they're kind of starting to see this and i think as david uh, mentioned the it's, 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 it's God is, I think, opening their eyes to their capacity, their abilities. Right? Um, and they're seeing, wow, if we really follow God, if we trust God, no one can stop us. Right? It, it was all in their unbelieving hearts. It was all in their, uh, their stubbornness. It was all in their you know, trusting themselves. It's all in their slaveish mentality, let's say. But uh, I think this is, uh, you start seeing, this is the that they start being victorious and they actually are strong enough to instill fear and dread uh, in in the surrounding nations. We'll we'll have some interesting chapters on, you know, Balaam, the donkey, Moab, all that good stuff, right? Uh, Midian uh, coming up, but They're now because they were always a force to reckon with, right? Because of their sheer number and because of what God did for them. But I think they're recognizing themselves uh, as that, right? They're they're gaining not self confidence, but confidence in God, right? And I think that is uh, something that we really need in Christian life. It's not self confidence, it's not like I'm so great or you know, I, I, it's, 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 you know, I. can do this. It's really this conviction that God wants to use me. That God can use me if I am dedicated to Him, if I'm living my life, uh, you know, in, in, in prayer and in holiness and in commitment and in community. I think that God can do you know mighty things, even when there are the Arads and the Sihons and the Ogs. March against us and 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 come against us and take away things, you know, from us. That you know, in God's economy, we can be a force to be reckoned with, right? Us individually, our families, our church, right? Our I don't know, our, the Baptist denomination, <laughs> you know, Christian Christian uh, community uh, communities of faith, the body of Christ, the church militant, right? it can't be stopped. Yeah, no one can stop it. If, if it understood what God wanted it to do and what God uh, can do. Right? And again, you know, despite uh, it's not, it's, it's not that you just kind of like, you know, even while you're at rest, you have all this money and power and uh, resources and, and connections and, and, you know, you just, you know, you're, you're safe and secure. No, uh, you know, they're exposed, they're, they, they lose. They're even, you know, spiritually a little bit shaky with this bronze snake. But, you know, they start seeing themselves in, in a brand new light. Um, you know, um, I think like evangelism and missions you really have to have that kind of mindset. We're small, we're few. know not much power like you know in a worldly sense but you know god's given us the world to win god's given us the charge to make disciples of all nations he's told us to be witnesses in jerusalem judea you know samaria and to the ends of the earth he's he's willing to equip us he's he's there ahead of us he's marching before us you know and it doesn't matter if they're small and, and, and tricky foes or if they're like behemoths like I think uh, in fact Sihon was a major player in that area like he had a, a, the, the, the vast region that they kind of um, they governed and they were their were, they were vassals like I think we'll learn I'm pretty sure that Moab was and Midian were vassals to Sihon to, to he was that, that big of a deal in that region. But when Israel like made mincemeat of them, everyone started shaking in their in, in their shoes, right? And I think that happened not only because of God's might, certainly it's all about God, but it's also the Israelites' self-understanding, their own understanding of purpose, right? So, um, you know, how do we adopt that? How do we garner that? How does that start? you know, working in us, and uh, we see its fruit, right, um, maybe the example here of, you know, uh, turning to God, making vows, whatever that may mean to him, certainly trusting God, right? avoiding these bronze snake kind of incidences, but when they happen, like, we'll, we'll, we're, we're imperfect, we'll fall, we'll We'll falter. We'll 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 feel weak. We'll stumble, right? And trust God all the way. Even if I think in my mind the remedy seems really strange, but listen to him. And you know, I'm really glad that the Israelites kind of recovered. They kind of rebounded, right? They had, they started out good in the against Arad, and then they stumbled. Uh, with the venomous snakes, but then they, they came back, right? Against uh, Sion and all, and, and, and that victory becomes, I think, paradigmatic. It becomes kind of like, it's in their tool belt now. And I think in future battles, right? They can rely on the, the blessing, the, the memory, and the encouragement, the strength that's derived from it, uh, it also becomes important in the inheritance discussions because, if you recall, these lands are east of the Jordan River, and so it's not Canaan proper as, in terms of what God wanted to give them, but two and a half of the two, actually three tribes, but you know, Manasseh was considered a half tribe. They uh, find that the land is exceedingly good just as good as Canaan and they ask for they ask permission to get their inheritance there right so um I don't know I guess I'm trying to say is that there's some bright spots (laughs) bright spots for the Israelites we've been ragging on them for a while right understandably and you know it's been like I don't know it's been like you know rebellion after rebellion and it's been you know defeat after defeat is death after death and, and kind of just all variations and permutations of kind of spiritual doldrums wandering right 38 years all that kind of stuff but uh, um, when there's a change of heart when there is a, a renewal uh, when there is faith uh, we see I think uh, the, the pace picking up we see the momentum building we see um, the kinds of what they're really capable of right And sometimes we need that right We need that individually we need that in our our, our groupings we need that in our church we need that in you know Christianity right? Christianity um, you know I feel like what we're Christians are capable of is is still untapped, still misunderstood, uh, still very um, uh, kind of foreign to even long time, long-term uh, Christians. And so again, there, there's no secret formula. You don't like, you know, read a passage, say an incantation, you dip in the Jordan River. You know, you, you have to struggle with God, but it, if we struggle, properly uh, you know my hope my prayer and I want to say my my confidence is that somehow we can be used by God right okay let's pray Lord thank you for a chance to uh, again take a look at the Israelites and see their ups and downs Um, the the snake incident which um, really reminds us of how lost we are uh, how without um, Jesus uh, on the cross uh, we would perish uh, but you know, him on the cross allows us to uh, exercise faith and we continue to exercise faith the battles we face and the losses we incur uh, in the challenges that come before us and then uh, experience faith in the victories uh, in the ground gained personally, communally and uh, Uh, redemptively, even uh, so, help us to uh, yeah, experience that in, 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 inwardly and uh, collectively. Help us to see you at work and to see ourselves as workers in the harvest field. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.